you would turn with me this morning to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19, it says they rose up, speaking of Elkanah and his wife Hannah, or Hannah, it says they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord, and they returned and came to their house to Ramah. It says, And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. It says the Lord remembered her. This morning, the Lord will be our helper for a few moments. I want to look at a few times where the Lord remembered His people. And in His memory of them, they were greatly blessed. And certainly, we want the Lord to remember us. Just a song we've sung. I suppose if there's anything I want above anything else, it's simply the Lord remember me. I hope to remember each and every one of you. And I know from time to time I fail. There's many times I go to the Lord in prayer for this church and many times try to call out every individual name from memory, but I know sometimes I miss a few. However, the Lord never misses us because the Lord remembers us. Well, here in 1 Samuel chapter 1, where it says the Lord remembered Hannah, the reason the Lord remembered Hannah is earlier in her experience she asked the Lord to remember me. We find in 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 11 that Hannah and her husband uh, he's got two wives. Hannah, though, is barren, and Hannah's desired a child of the Lord. However, since she's barren, she cannot have one, but she goes to the Lord and she vows a vow. She goes to the Lord's house. Now, that's a good place to go to vow a vow, is at the Lord's house. Well, she comes to the Lord's house and she vows a vow. It says, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. So here she comes to the Lord, begging the Lord to remember her. He, she wants the Lord to see her affliction. In that day, and even in this day, a woman who was barren, it was considered an affliction. You take a woman today who can't have a child, and that's the one thing she really wants, that's about all she can think about. Well, that was the case for Hannah. She desired a child of the Lord, and she was barren. And however, she sees uh, her husband's other wife being able to bear children. We'll find another occasion much like this in the book of Genesis chapter 30, where we find that Jacob marries two women, one named Leah and the other Rachel. Of course, we know in that account that uh, Jacob did not want to marry Leah. He only wanted to marry Rachel. However, we find that Laban's going to play a trick on him. And in that trick, we're going to find Jacob learns a great lesson. Earlier in Jacob's life, he did not honor the right of the firstborn, but instead he took his brother's birthright and his brother's blessing. However, Laban, he says, in our country, we honor the right of the firstborn. And so he tricked Jacob and gave him Leah instead of Rachel. Of course, they go through the marriage ceremony, and he doesn't realize that it's Leah under the veil instead of Rachel. Of course, a big surprise when he finds out the truth. And when he finds out the truth, he goes back to Uncle Laban, highly upset. Of course, Laban tells him that he can have Rachel. He's just got to serve for seven more years. And so he marries Rachel and then, of course, has seven years to serve for her. In this time, though, we're going to find that Leah is blessed to have children. And however, we find that uh, Rachel's not. So here goes uh, Jacob to Leah, and she immediately has four sons. We find that uh, she's blessed. And finally, Rachel, she realizes she's not going to be blessed the Lord, so she takes her uh, handmaid named Bilhah and sends her to Jacob. And then there's a son born to her. However, that's not really Rachel's son. 
Through the course of time, she's going to ask the Lord to remember her. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 30, verse 22, that the Lord remembered Rachel. And when the Lord remembered Rachel, we're going to find that she has a child named Joseph. His name means adding, means the Lord's add blessing to Rachel. Of course, if you remember the story of Jacob and his 12 sons, Joseph was his favorite child. Here he loved Rachel. Uh, He was married to Leah, but he loved Rachel above Leah. And so he desired Rachel. And when Rachel was blessed to bear him a child, that child's name is Joseph, which means adding. And here uh, we find that Joseph is so much in love with his child, he makes him his favorite child. If you remember the story, makes him a coat of many colors, which causes a lot of jealousy among the other brethren. We're going to find the Lord remembers uh, Rachel another time. However, in this time, it's not going to go so well for her. Because we're going to find that as she's in labor, it says that she was travailing with hard labor. And it says when her soul was in departing, in parentheses, for she died. That means when we die, our soul departs. That means when we die, it's simply a departure from this life and arrival in the world to come. I'm thankful that the Holy Ghost put that in parentheses. It says when her soul was in departing, for she died. Now she named the child Benani, or B-E-N-O-N-I, which means my sorrow, or son of my sorrow. However, we, didn't, uh, we find that Jacob didn't like that name, so he changed it to Benjamin, meaning the blessing of the Lord. So here the name was changed from sorrow to a blessing, because he considered it, of course, a great blessing. But here we find that this woman is only uh, blessed to bear two children of the twelve children that Jacob would ultimately have. And here we'll find he's the last and final child born to him. But just like Hannah and Rachel, we find they both beg the Lord to remember them, and the Lord remembered them. Again, Hannah, she begged the Lord to remember her, and when she and her husband went back home, the Bible tells us again in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19, that the Lord remembered her. Well, I'm thankful that Hannah also remembered something too. We find that she made a promise to the Lord and she remembered her promise. It's good for the Lord to remember us and I thank God He does. And I also know that even if we fail to remember our responsibility to Him, He still remembers us because uh, He's not going to deny Himself. He's faithful. However, it's very important that if we vow a vow to the Lord that we remember the vow and that we own up to the vow and do that which we promise. So here comes Hannah. She's going to fulfill the promise. Well, the time comes that her husband's going to go back up to the temple, but she's not going to go. Her son's not weaned yet. She's going to wait one more year because she knows when she takes the child then, the child's going to be given to the Lord and be the Lord's the rest of his days because that's the promise that she made. And so ultimately we find she does deliver him to Eli and he's going to become Samuel, the great prophet and priest of God. We're going to find this man, of course, is going to be the one to be blessed to lead the people of God until they're blessed with their first king. I don't know if you can consider that first king a blessing, but anyway, until they receive their first king. And then, of course, in the blessing of their second king. We're going to be, see that Samuel's on the scene when Saul is anointed. And then later he's going to anoint David also. And in a process of time, Samuel ultimately will die. We're going to see he reappears. If you remember the story, we're going to find that Saul is about to go out to a great battle and he wants to know uh, what's going to happen. It's interesting that while Samuel was alive, Saul didn't care for what he had to say. But now that Samuel's dead, he wants to hear from Samuel. It's important to listen to wisdom while it's here. Don't wait till it's gone. But he waits till it's gone, so he goes down to the witch of Endor and of course she calls Samuel back to life. And Samuel gives Saul the message that you're going to be where I am about this time tomorrow. And so exactly as Samuel 
prophesied, that's exactly what took place. We know Saul was killed in battle. But all this starts because the Lord remembered Hannah. Here she came to the Lord and begged the Lord to remember me. The Lord remembered her. And this great man of God was raised up in the service of God. It was a great blessing to the people of Israel for all those many years. We find another case in the book of Genesis chapter 8. Beginning in verse 1, the Bible tells us that God remembered Noah. It's a good thing God remembered Noah there because we're going to find that in the account of that experience that there's been a great rain upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. Now God remembers Noah because back in Genesis chapter 6 verse 8, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God's not going to take good memory of us till first we found grace in His sight. And when it says Noah found grace in his sight, it doesn't mean because Noah is some great character. He found grace just like you and I found grace. He was just as much a sinner as you and me, but God was gracious to him. And there in Genesis chapter 6 verse 8, as God is preparing to destroy the world, because the witness in the world was great at that time, God saw Noah, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. There's coming a day where the Lord's going to destroy the earth the second time, and all of us who find grace in the eyes of the Lord are going to escape that destruction. And I'm thankful that day God's going to remember us and he's going to remember us because we found grace in his sight. Again, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and because of that he and his wife and his three sons and their wives were delivered from that flood. Of course, they were delivered from that flood through the ark. They prepared the ark as God commanded. And they went into the ark and God shut the door of the ark. And all those animals went in as well. And then after all that had been prepared and God made sure that his servant was going to be taken care of, then the rains came upon the earth. The Bible tells us that, of course, the clouds opened up and the fountains of the deep. So you had water coming from above and water coming from beneath. And the whole earth was flooded to the highest peak of the mountains so that there was no land showing after those 40 days and 40 knots. Now, I've been through some hard rains. I remember one time when we lived in Illinois, in about a 24-hour period, we received 25 inches of rain. And I got to thinking about that as here we were, and we lived in a house that was well up on top of a hill. And I'm watching water run down a street that's two or three feet deep. And that was just after 24 hours of rain. And so I always wondered how in the world the world could flood in 40 days. Well, after that one day, I saw how it could happen because here the heavens open. But the Bible tells us also the fountains of the deep opened as well. And so here here we see the waters were covering the earth to the point there was no ground to be seen. That took place for 40 days and 40 nights. And then after those 40 days and 40 nights, it's going to be about a year that they're floating in that ark. But it says in Genesis again, 8 verse 1, that God remembered Noah. Well, the Lord remembered Noah, and about that time, then the waters are going to start receding off the earth. The fountains of the deep open again. And so those waters began to recede. And of course, ultimately, we'll find at Noah, the ark rests. And after a period of time, he sends out that bird, and that bird comes back. Now, then he sends it out again, and it doesn't come back. He knows finally that there's dry land. After that, they wait about seven more days, and they're able to go out. And here the Lord greatly blessed them, and of course they were able to replenish the earth. We find the Bible tells us in the book of Peter that here Noah was saved by water. He and his family were delivered from the wickedness of the world uh, that was then in existence. Remember there in Genesis chapter 6, it says that the thoughts and the intents of the heart were only evil continually of man upon the earth at that time. We think that we live in an evil time today. It was so evil there that God only spared eight I can't imagine how wicked it must have been on the earth at that time that God only spares eight people of all humanity at that time. 
But because the thoughts and the imagination of the hearts of man was only evil continually, it says it was so bad that it repented God that he even made man. Here God was sorry, in other words, that he even created man to begin with. Here he made him upright, the Bible says, but he sought out many inventions. And just a short time after man's uh, creation, here they plunged themselves so deep that God is sorry that he ever made them to begin with. But thanks be to God, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and God remembered Noah. And just like God remembered Noah, he found grace. That we have likewise found grace in the Lord's eyes, and there's coming the day at the final destruction of the earth that we shall be spared from that because God will remember us. God will not forget his people. Thanks be to God. Sometimes I feel like he's forgotten me. Sometimes I go through something, Lord, do you remember I'm down here? Lord, take notice of me. You know, I'm going through something here and I really need your help right now. I'd like you to deliver me like the Bible says that you will. I remember there in Psalm 34, verse 19, one of my very favorite scriptures says, Many of the afflictions are righteous, but the Lord delivered him out of them all. But here I'm in affliction. I'm not delivered yet. Lord, have you forgotten that I'm here? Have you forgotten to be gracious to me? However, the Lord has never forgotten even the least of his sins. And we can rest assured he'll never forget us. He'll never forget us. You know why? You're precious in His sight. He sent His Son to die for you. His blood was shed for you. He died there on Calvary. He was made an open curse and shame. And God who allowed His Son and sent His Son to go through such is not going to forget His people in a time of our need. Again, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered Him out of them all. So we see that God remembered Hannah, and she's blessed with a child. God remembers Rachel, and she's blessed with two children. He remembers Noah, and Noah is greatly blessed to escape the destruction of the flood. And ultimately, he's delivered back on the earth, and he and his family are blessed to replenish the earth. We find in the book of Judges, chapter 16, an interesting character by the name of Samson. In Judges, we find that uh, he is called, as many of the other judges, to deliver the children of Israel from their great affliction. In the book of Judges, you're going to find constantly the, the saying, they did what was right in their own eyes. In fact, it said every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Now, you remember the children of Israel were led out of the land of Egypt by a man named Moses, who means drawn out. God drew him out to serve. And after Moses' death, another man was raised up by the name of Joshua, and Joshua was their leader. However, the time comes the book of Judges that Joshua dies, and there's no leader for the people. And there comes a point where they've all forgotten Joshua, and now the people are doing that which is right in their own eyes. In other words, there's real no form of government. Here they've just kind of gone to themselves. And talk about anarchy, the book of Judges is the result of anarchy. Uh, some people like there to be no government in our world. I tell you what, my friends, it's important we have government. In fact, the Bible makes it very clear in the book of Romans uh, that the governments that have been established have been established by God's hand. It's important that we have them. In other words, if we didn't, there would be total chaos in this world. And if you read the book of Judges, you can see what it's like to have no leader. Now, I recognize we may not always like our leaders or always like what they do, but I promise you this, it's better we have them than we have none because the end result is total chaos and total destruction. When we look at Judges, that's exactly what takes place because everybody does what's right in their own eyes. In other words, whatever they think is right, that's what they're going to do. We see that in a great part in our own nation. But I'm thankful we have certain laws that restrain a lot of people. This says they did what was right in their own eyes. That means they just did whatever they wanted to do. There's a lot of people in our land today that do whatever they want to do. 
and they go to prison for it. They'll kill, they'll maim, they'll rape, they'll do whatever. However, uh, thankfully, a lot of people are restrained because there are laws, and they don't want to uh, pay the consequences of breaking those laws. Remove all those laws, and there's no telling what uh, we would see in our world today. So thanks be to God, we do have laws. I realize a lot of people don't want to obey them, but imagine what it would be like without them. Well, here in Judges, we see the result. Well, anyway, in Judges chapter 13, we find God raises up a man by the name of Samson. Samson, of course, is going to be a very strong man, quite possibly the strongest man ever lived. We find the Bible lets us know that his strength's in his hair, really his strength's in God, but he's a Nazarite, and a Nazarite was not to have his hair cut. That was a picture of his strength. However, he was a very strong man physically, but he was not a strong man morally. Samson could have been a far greater man in the service of God if he'd have been as strong morally as he was physically. However, we find he had a weakness like many men do, and that weakness was women. And we're going to find ultimately that a woman is going to bring him down. A woman named Delilah, who's not even his wife, uh, even though he's married, he's with another woman. And of course, the Bible's clear uh, that that is ungodly. We read in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. It's important to remember uh, that marriage is sanctioned by God. It's honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But again, the promise is also sure but that whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. And we're going to find ultimately that Samson is judged, because here he is, an adulterer and a whoremonger. So he goes into Delilah, and ultimately he's going to confess to her where his strength is. So he's going to ask him four times. The first three, he tells her a lie. However, finally the third time, he gets real close to the truth. Uh, He's getting real close to the truth, and he ought to realize after the first time that Delilah is not for Samson, but Delilah is for Delilah. And that fool keeps trusting her, even though he's seen three previous times that she's ungodly and not out for him. Well, anyway, in Judges chapter 16, we're going to find ultimately that he confesses to her that her, his strength's in his hair, that from the time of his birth, a razor had never touched his head. So he goes to sleep. She cuts his hair or has his hair cut. He wakes up, and he tells, she tells him that the Philistines be upon you, and this time he was not able to fend them off. The reason why is the Bible says that the Lord departed from him, and he wished or knew it not. That's a sad state for the Lord to depart from somebody and you don't even know the Lord's departed. I hope if the Lord ever does depart from me, I had a good sense to at least know He's not with me anymore. But I hope that I can live in such a way the Lord be pleased to be with me no matter what. Now let me say this about that. The Bible makes it clear. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's what the Lord says. But that just means the Lord's going to keep us safe and deliver us to heaven. That doesn't mean He's going to be with us in a way of blessing. And it's important that we remember if we want the Lord with us in a way of blessing, that we need to live according to His precepts and according to His Word. If you want the Lord to be with you and to guide you and to uh, direct you in a way that's right and to bless you in those good things, it's important that you live your life in a godly manner. Well, anyway, we find that this man does not. And he confesses to this wicked woman, and finally she has his hair cut, and his strength is gone. The Lord departs from him. He doesn't even know it, and he's not able this time to ward off his attackers. And so here they come, a very sad case. Remember what they do. They put out his eyes, and they take him down to the prison to the grist mill, and there he walks the rest of his days. There he is just going in circles there in the grist mill. That's what a lot of people's lives are, just simply going in circles. They're not getting anywhere because they're not serving the Lord. They're blind to the truth of God's Word. 
and they're blind out of the blessings of God and all they're doing is going in circles. I want my life to mean something. I want it to go somewhere. I want to be a benefit and a blessing to some people in my experience here on earth. And to do that, it's important we have spiritual sight and we also have a purpose as we walk. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. That's what he does. He's just going in a circle. He's perishing, being no good whatsoever. But in Judges chapter 16, you know the time comes his hair grows back out. And he begs the Lord in verse 28 and says, O Lord God, remember me. I pray thee and strengthen me. I pray thee only this once. And I'd hate to get to the point that I go to the Lord and say, Lord, I just want you to bless me one more time. See, I want the Lord to bless me right now, in a few more minutes, in a few hours, the rest of the day, tomorrow, the next day, next week, next month, next year, till I depart from this world. I need the blessings of God to keep going. As I've already quoted, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue this day. It's only because God has blessed me and God has blessed you that we continue this present hour. And I don't want to live in such a way that I feel like I can only ask God for one more blessing. But that's where uh, Samson is. He's living in such an ungodly way that he feels like he really doesn't have right to ask God this one thing. But he does say, oh Lord God, remember me. Well, thankfully the Lord remembered him. Samson, it says, he took hold of those two pillars of that house where all those Philistines were. And the Lord gave him the strength one more time, and he pulled the house down. And the Bible tells us in verse 30, it says, So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. That tells me Samson did more good for the people of God when he died than he did while he lived. And I don't want that to ever be said of me. I want to do more for the Lord's people while I'm living. But I've known people, it was finally a blessing to the Lord's church when they died and passed off the scene. You'll see churches that maybe were fussing and fighting and everybody's forgotten why. Nobody can remember what the source was, but there's still two old deacons or two old sisters that are alive and prevent all these people from coming together. And finally it takes the Lord taking them out of the world so that finally people can come back together. I don't want to live in such a way as that. I want to be a blessing the Lord's people while I live and have the Lord remember me in that way and not have to beg the Lord, Lord, just one more time, remember me. But here it says that he slew more at his death than he did in his life. But yet the Lord answered his prayer and he remembered him one more time. We turn to the book of Job chapter 14 and we see that Job says in verse, um, verse 13, he says, Oh, that thou wouldest hide me in the grave, that thou wouldest keep me secret until thy wrath be passed, that thou wouldest appoint me a set time and remember me. Then he says, If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. He says, Thou shalt call, and I will answer thee. Thou wilt have a desire to the work of thine hands. You know, Job, he was miserable in his afflictions, but he said some of the greatest truths of the Bible. Here, even in the midst of some of his greatest problems, he was still able to declare some great truths. There in Job chapter 19, one of the best truths of the Bible, when he declared that I know that my Redeemer liveth, not shall live at some future time, or my Redeemer liveth. I think, well, the Bible teaches the eternal sonship of the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't simply become a son when he was born there at Bethlehem, but he's been eternally the Son of God, and that's what Job saw. Job saw, I know that my Redeemer liveth and shall stand on the earth at the latter part of the, excuse me, at the last day of the, I can't get the text anyway, you know what it says. Job chapter 19, verse 25, you don't go read it. Anyway, he says, I know my Redeemer liveth and shall stand on the earth at the latter day. 
And then he says, even though skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. He says, with my own eyes, I'm going to behold him, even though my reins be consumed within me. He knew, uh, had a testimony of the Spirit of God within him, that he'd see the Lord. But here in Job 14, he says, if a man die, shall he live again? Of course, the answer is yes. And he answers his own question. He says, all the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. But notice how he starts that in verse 13. Oh, that thou wouldst hide me in the grave. You know, you can go through enough affliction that you wish the Lord would just take you away. I've not experienced a whole lot of pain in life. I've experienced enough to know what it feels like, and I don't like it. But I can't even begin to imagine the pain that this man went through. But I've known some people that their whole existence was just an existence of pain to the point that they wished the grave would hide them. And the Lord would finally just take them from this life so they could at least find some rest from that which they're experiencing. That's what Joe's calling for. Remember, this is a man that's lost his family, lost his wealth, lost his reputation. Uh, he's lost everything that he has, even his health. And even his wife tells him to just curse God and die. You retain your integrity, just curse him and die. And he says, you speak of the foolish women. He says, shall we not receive good at the hand of the Lord and evil also? The Lord Get the Lord take the way. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He had a good positive attitude about all that. But finally, all that pain is uh, built upon him so much. He says, Lord, just hide me in the grave. Keep me secret until thy wrath be passed. That thou wouldest appoint me a set time and remember me. You know, the Lord remembered him. As I find the latter part of Job's life was far better than this point. Because finally, the last part of his life, once he forgave his friends and prayed and made intercession for them, we find the Lord blessed him with double that which he had at the beginning. This man who experienced such great agony, the Lord blessed him because the Lord remembered him. He begged the Lord to remember him, and the Lord remembered him. One of my favorites, though, we find in Luke chapter 23. We find there the Lord Jesus Christ is hanging upon the cross, and there's two men hanging on either side of him. Well, I find an earlier point of this experience that both of those men are reviling the Lord Jesus. However, we're going to find that this man who's on his right side, he's going to have a change of hearts. The reason he changed, had a change of heart is God took the stony heart out of him and put a heart of flesh in him. Here is a man that despised the Lord Jesus Christ just a few moments before, but we're going to see a man who's born again, and all of a sudden he has a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's interesting, there's no preacher at the cross, and we don't find the Lord Jesus saying anything to him to inform him of who he is. We find that God directly taught this man that this was a good man hanging to his left, that this was the Son of God there. And you remember what that man said to him? He said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. That man knew he was about to die. And he recognized that the only help he had was this man hanging to his left. And he begged the Lord that when you come to your kingdom, how did he know he was the Lord? And how did he know that he had a kingdom? God taught him. You know, the Bible tells us the time is going to come that no man will teach every man his neighbor, saying, know the Lord, but I shall teach him from the least to the greatest. When God regenerates his people, he teaches his people at the same time. Now, it's my job to teach you to know uh, more about the Lord, but it's God's job to teach you to know the Lord. I can't teach you to know Him. I can just teach you more about Him. But anyway, this man, he's been given some information from heaven itself when he says, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Remember what the Lord responds? Today, or this day, thou shalt be with me in paradise. That tells me the Lord expected to go to heaven that day. And he expected that man to be with him in heaven that day. Just like Rachel, when her soul was in departing before she died, she departed this world and she immediately arrived in glory. 
The Lord Jesus Christ tells this man, when he says, remember me, he says today, in other words, at the moment you die, you're going to be with me in paradise. I love how the Lord describes heaven there. I remember when we were coming down here, in fact, it's back in the month of July last year, we were over at Brother Matt and Sister Carrie's house, and then we went over to Brother Ken and Sister Rosanna's. And of course, Brother Quentin's trying to butter me up to move to Florida, and he comes and tells me what a paradise Florida is. Of course, he's telling me this when it's the most humid time, the most hot time, when there's mosquitoes everywhere. I didn't think it was a paradise. I still don't think it's a paradise. Uh, I thank God for it right now. This is about the best time to live in Florida right now. The rest of the year it's not worth living in. But anyway, I don't know why the Indians fought for it. They sh- or the people fought the Indians for it. They should have just let them have it. But anyway, uh, here he thought it was a paradise. It's not a paradise compared to what glory should be. I'll tell you that. When the Lord Jesus Christ described a paradise, it's a true paradise. It's without sin, sickness, or pain. It's without sorrow. It's without judgment. It's without wrath. It's a place where we shall behold the face of God and live. It's a wonderful place. I thank God. The Bible lets us know that it's a place we're going. Again, the Lord tells this man when he says, remember me, he's letting him know, I'll remember you. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. We find in Exodus chapter 2, not only does the Lord remember people, the Lord remembers promises. And I'm thankful he remembers that as well. The reason he remembers people is because first he remembers his covenant. Because he's made his covenant with his son to his people. Because he remembers his covenant, he remembers us. And we see this expressed in Exodus chapter 2. Because in Exodus chapter 2, we're going to find that the children of Israel are in the land of Egypt. And the Pharaoh's died, it remembers Joseph. And finally, they're under hard bondage. Uh, their time is, of course, a time of agony. Not a, a good experience at all. And finally, we find that in Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, it says, It came to pass in process at the time that the king of Israel died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, it says, and God remembered his covenant. Now notice it doesn't say he remembers them, or even really remembers their affliction. But God remembers his covenant that he made, it says, with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Now it's interesting here, he says God had respect, but I find other places, like in Acts chapter 10, that says God is no respecter of persons. But here it says God had respect. I find in Genesis chapter 4 that God had respect to Abel and to his offering, but to Cain and to his offering, God had not respect. God has respect to his people, uh, and he does not have respect to the wicked. But among his people, God has not respect. That means there's no difference between Jew or Gentile. But here we find that God had respect to the children of Israel. Why? Because God remembered his covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What was the covenant? That God would bring them into this land of promise, and they would dwell there. And so long as they kept his covenant, they would enjoy the good of that land. But if they uh, did not hearken and rebel, they'd be devoured with the sword. And so God remembers his his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the people are delivered by Moses the Deliverer. There's another covenant that God has made. It's called the Everlasting Covenant, or the Eternal Covenant, and that's a covenant He made with Himself. Now, He made this covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and it was dependent upon God being faithful, but also them being faithful. However, there's a covenant that God made in heaven that has no dependency upon our faithfulness. It only required the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, every covenant that we've had between God and man, it's fallen short not because of God, but because of men. We've always fallen short on our end of the promise. However, because the eternal covenant is made between God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost, there's no way it could fail. And there's no way, not one of 
them would fall short of anything that they promised. And here's the promise. That of all that God would choose out before the foundation of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ would die for and successfully save at Calvary. And the Holy Spirit would come and regenerate them. And the Lord Jesus Christ would come back the last day and take them home. And just as God remembered the covenant he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he's remembered the covenant that he's made with himself. He'll not forget it. He'll remember it. And you and I will be uh, in heaven at the last day because of that covenant. And God remembers that which He has promised. But also find not only does God remember His promise, God remembers mercy. We turn to the book of Habakkuk in chapter 3. We find in the book of Habakkuk that the children of Israel are about to experience their great bondage in the land of Babylon. Here they've not fulfilled the covenant that they had with the Lord. And so now they're going to be cast out of their land. God had told them so long as they obeyed Him and they did that which was right in His sight, that they would eat of the good of the land, that they would enjoy the good of the land. But if they uh, came to the time where they fell short of that, of course, they'd be devoured with the sword, according to Isaiah chapter 1. Well, now they're going to be devoured with the sword. God sends them into the land of Babylon for 70 years of captivity. However, we find in Habakkuk chapter 3, it says in verse 2, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. Then he says, O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. That's a very important prayer. Notice Habakkuk doesn't say, Lord, don't let us go into judgment. He doesn't say, you know, Lord, would you please change your mind? But what he does say, Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. While we're in the middle of this suffering, while we're going to go through this affliction, continue to do your work and revive your work, but also in wrath, remember mercy. In other words, Habakkuk is almost afraid that God's going to forget to be merciful, but he was not. Even in their experience in the land of Babylon, God's mercy was showered upon them. We look in the book of Daniel and see over and over the mercy of God. Think about Daniel being thrown into the lion's den. What did God do? He just simply closed them out of those lions. Think about the Hebrew children being thrown in the fire furnace. What happened? God was merciful and they were not consumed. And when Nebuchadnezzar looked in, he saw four, and the fourth was like to the Son of God. Here they came out of that, not a hair on their head was singed. They didn't have the smell of smoke on their clothes. They were preserved in mercy in the midst of that furnace. Here, uh, that's a good picture of when we go through the furnace of this life. We have the Lord Jesus Christ right by our side. The book of Isaiah says, when we go through the fires, He'll be with us. And here they went through the fires, and the Lord Jesus was with them and sustained them so much to the point they didn't even smell of smoke, nor were the hairs singed on their head. But remember the men that cast them in, they were consumed by the fire of that furnace. But here we see the protecting hand of a merciful God. Again, Habakkuk said, in wrath, remember mercy. There's times we're not faithful to the Lord and we ought to expect the Lord's judgment. But thanks be to God, in those times, He's still a merciful God. And I'm also thankful, about to run out of time, that the Bible also tells us there's certain things that God does not remember. And I'm very thankful on some things God chooses not to remember. It's not that He has a bad memory. He does not. But He makes the act of choice not to remember. And that is our sins and our iniquities. He says, I will remember no more against you. That's important to remember that ourselves. That God has promised that the sins that we've committed and the iniquities that we have done in His sight, that He has promised to put them as far as the east is from the west from us and has told us, I will remember them no more against you. Over and over we find people of God calling upon the Lord to remember me. And God remembers those that call upon Him in such a way But thanks be to God, He does not remember the sins and the iniquities that we have done against Him. In the Bible, though, we're also commanded several times those things that we're to remember. We find in the book of Acts that the Apostle Paul is speaking to those elders at Ephesus. 
He tells them, you remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, He's told us to remember that. That's an important principle to remember. A lot of people have it the other way around. You know, it's more blessed to receive than to give. However, the Bible principle is it's more blessed to give than to receive. In Proverbs, there's a proverb that says there's that that scattereth yet increaseth, and that withholdeth more than his meat, it tends to poverty. The man uh, natural thing is this way. I need to hold on to what I've got and hopefully it'll grow. The Bible way is get rid of it and God will bring it back. It'll grow larger than that which He gave away to begin with. The Bible makes it clear. Cast your bread upon the waters. It'll return after many days. It's important the Lord's people be a giving people. Again, Paul says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How He said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. We find in Galatians chapter 2 that the Apostle Paul, when he was meeting with the elders at Jerusalem, they told him as he went forth to remember the poor. He said, which I also was forward to do. In other words, Paul said, I really didn't need the reminder. It's good to have a reminder to remember the poor. And we have the responsibility as the Lord's house to also take that same uh, admonition and to remember the poor. We ought to remember the poor among us and the poor around us and try to do the very best that we can to relieve the poor uh, best we can. I realize that we can't step out poverty. Even the Lord Jesus Christ Himself said, the poor you have always. There's always going to be poor. Uh, you know, in the Bible you just have rich poor. That's all. There's not a middle class. But that's the point of government is try to get rid of poverty. Well, you're never going to get rid of it. There's always going to be poor. The Lord says of the poor you have always. But Paul was encouraged to remember the poor. And we ought to try to remember the poor. We also see in Jude chapter 1 verse 17 where Jude says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Once again, how that there shall be scoffers and persecutors and wicked men. They say, well, why do I want to remember that? Well, it's important you remember that because when they come around, you can remember, well, this is just a fulfillment of prophecy that the Lord Jesus Christ gave. But also I found where the Lord Jesus said in John chapter 16, in a world you shall have tribulation. You know why you're going to have tribulation? Because there's scoffers and there's persecutors and there's evil men. He says, in a world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So again, remember the words of the Lord Jesus that these wicked men are going to come, but that's okay because He's already promised uh, that I've overcome them, I've overcome the world, so be of good cheer. When the wicked men and seducers wax worse and worse, we don't need to be discouraged by that. Rather, we need to be encouraged that this is one more time the Bible's proved true and the Lord Jesus Christ has held to His Word because He's promised us there'll be wicked people and we'll have tribulation, but that's okay. He's overcome the world. You know, it's also, as Paul said, important we remember in Acts chapter 20, he says, remember how I cried and by the space of three years with tears? What did he tell them? He says that grievous wolves will enter among you not sparing the flock. It's important to remember that also. We shouldn't be surprised when wicked men come into the house of God and disturb the flock with the point of defiling the flock. The Bible makes it clear that the, uh, that, uh, the devil has ministers that work for him. They're ministers of light or transform into ministers of light, but they are not ministers of light. They're ministers of wickedness trying to destroy those of the Lord's people. So here the Apostle Paul says, remember this. It's important to take note uh, that there are those that will enter in, not sparing the flock, but will try to devour them. But lastly, we see in the book of Lamentations that it's important we also remember in the time of our trouble, in the time of our great affliction, that our God is a merciful God. Just as God remembers mercy, we need to remember that He's merciful. You know, when you go through times of affliction, it's easy to have your, uh, your point of view skewed. You know, in the times of my trouble, I don't stop and think about how merciful and gracious the Lord is. Usually all I'm thinking about, Lord, hurry up and get me out of this. 
But it's important in the midst of our trouble to remember that our Lord is merciful. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 18, here we find Jeremiah who's in the land of captivity says, My strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood of the gall, he says, My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. Here he says, I thought about all these things that have happened to us, and all there is is misery and gall. But then he says in verse 21, This I call to mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. He says, They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. So here is Jeremiah in the midst of affliction writing the book of Lamentations, which means the book of crying. And here he says, When I thought about all the afflictions, my misery and the worm wouldn't have gone, all it did was bring misery to mind. But he says, But this I call to mind, and I have hope. Why? He says, Because it's the Lord's mercies were not consumed. Really, that's what they deserved as a people because they had been unfaithful to God, but God was merciful and did not consume them. He just sent them into a land of captivity, but He also showed them that His faithfulness, His faithfulness excuse me, was new every morning. That here God was going to be with them no matter what they experienced. So to close out, we also see in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, where the Apostle Paul actually says in verse 7, he says, Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding. He says, Remember... Jesus Christ, the seed of David, who was raised from the dead. Paul says it's important we remember that the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead. Why? Because it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that we have our greatest hope, which is that we'll be with the Lord at the last day. Then Hannah, she cried to the Lord, remember me. And the Bible says the Lord remembered her. He remembered Noah. He also remembered Rebecca, excuse me, Rachel. He even remembered Samson who had not lived as he should have. He remembered the children of Israel in their bondage. He remembered his covenant to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when the children were in the land of Egypt and their cry came at the Lord. He remembers mercy in the time of his wrath. Let us have also this memorial that our God has been faithful and he'll continue to be faithful. Let us do our best to try to be faithful to him. May the Lord bless you as our prayer. Amen.